0: G'day, I'm Osher Ginsberg. And I'm Charlie Clausen. We are two dads who, when we found out we were going to be dads, went looking for a podcast that could help us navigate what it means to be a dad in the modern world. I mean, there were parenting podcasts, but they all seemed to be aimed at mums, or at the very least, mums and dads. Yeah, there were no podcasts for dads specifically, and certainly not dads who want to be hands-on and do their share of raising their children. So, we started DadPod, a podcast by dads for dads who don't want to be shit dads. (laughs) Each week, we share our own stories from the good and the bad to the thermonuclear tantrums as well as talk with some of the biggest experts in the field to help all of us become better dads so if you're a dad a mum dad or a dad to be search dad pod where you get your podcasts
1: the following episode of Fofop is rated ma it contains alternating hosts a rotating roster of guests and mild course language FauxFop advises that it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who came here looking for one of those highbrow NPR-type podcasts. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deek speaking. Hello and a welcome to Fofop. I am Will Anderson, and it's a hamofop. Mm. Justin Hamilton is back. Hello, Justin Hamilton.
0: You'll be happy to know that I've uh, started a regime. I'm trying to keep uh, a moderate level of fitness. I'm oh. eating well. I don't want to be too uh-huh. fit because too fit usually <laughs> ends horribly. <laughs> and it's a, I don't want an ironic death. So I'm trying to keep... Now,
1: hang on. Is this just purely Costanza motivated? No. Is this... Be honest with the audience. No, it's Are not. Are you on a fitness kick? Because you didn't talk about this last time we talked about my desire for you to turn fully into George Costanza, to embrace your full Costanza, to go the yeah. full Costanza. And, I was and a... now you're talking about this health kick that
0: suddenly you're on. Uh... No, and by the way, I'm totally this unimpressed Also, with like everyone a... who wrote to me about it as well, who <laughs> also, wanted it to happen too. <laughs> also sounds very much like a
1: Costanza-esque plan. <laughs> this has got Costanza written all over it. I'm on a health kick, Jerry. <laughs> a health kick.
0: <gig. laughs> I am. I'm definitely, uh, I've got a, I've got a, Well, I want you to see if you can work out why. You should be able to work this out why Uh if you have been across the news this week. There's a reason I've got to stick around. There's a reason I've got to stay cognizant and be ready to go.
1: They've worked out how to bring David Bowie back from the dead and they can do it in two years.
0: <laughs> There's no reason I'd be doing this podcast. I would be just laying on the lounge in the off charts that there would be an electrical feedback that would take me out. No, but you know, you are going in a very similar yeah. or correct direction.
1: Is there, has Christopher Nolan announced what his new movie is?
0: Oppenheimer coming out <laughs> July next year. The poster's out. I've read the book. I'm in. I'm in and I'm staying healthy for it. Now Oppenheimer about that famous Jewish rapper. Yep, Lenny Lenny Oppenheimer, right? Yep, yeah, the the original OG, <laughs> hip and hip
1: he called himself. <laughs> yeah,
0: he was amazing. <laughs> and uh, as we all know, I'm a big fan of hip hop, and uh, yeah. the, the Big O was my guy. So tell me about the Big O, Oppen-
1: uh, Oppenheimer. Yeah, Oppenheimer. Yeah. So he, this is the bomb, right?
0: Yes, <laughs> and we are still not talking about hip-hop. But um, <laughs> no, yeah. this is the story about uh, – and it's a it's a thrilling book about Oppenheimer who gets mm. brought in to help develop the first atomic bomb because he is under the impression that Germany in World War II are very mm. close to developing it. So they've got to develop now, this bomb to counter. Were
1: Germany close to – yeah. Developing it? Yeah. Okay, all yep. right.
0: That was uh, that was a fact. But mm. it is uh, a thrilling story that includes subterfuge, uh, a, a, a ticking uh, clock. A ticking time bomb? Yeah. <laughs> a ticking,
1: works- ticking atomic bomb?
0: A ticking time bomb and a ticking clock, which are all hallmarks of Nolan, and mm. uh, also has uh, great awful people who are trying to take him down and those awful people, uh, one of them is going to be played by Robert Downey Jr. And mm-hmm. I am totally up for Mr. Charisma to play a complete arsehole. I've wanted him to do something proper for a long time. And after Dr. Doolittle, I was afraid that was never going to happen.
1: Well, yeah, that, that was interesting, by the way, Dr. Doolittle as a career choice after Iron Man. because like, what are like, you doing? Well, firstly, he has the money to never work again. Yes. Like, yeah, that that Iron Man money, that, like, chunk of the Marvel estate that he is entitled to is just, like, that's more money than any person could ever need for the rest of their entire life. Shout out to his
0: wife who organised that that deal. She is a gun. All points.
1: That is 100%. Say no to Doctor Doolittle money.
0: That is exactly (laughs) why you take the points, you know? That is exactly why you spend ten years making movies where you are, and I say this inverted commas, flying around in an armored suit, but really it's a camera right up against your face and you're saying things like, Hey Pepper, how's everything looking on the armor? That is why you take that money and you don't have to do Doctor Doolittle. But what did Robert D. Jr. say? Let's do I've it.
1: said no to better things than Doctor Doolittle. You have, but honestly. I've said no to better things than Doctor Doolittle, and yep. I do not have Iron Man money. You-
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't even have aluminium foil man money.
0: Yeah, <laughs> tin foil, <laughs> just for your hat. But um, yeah, it's uh, it was such a bizarre choice, and it did. It kind of made me feel a little bit like this is an acting talent, and he is wasting it. And then to find out that he's going to be in this Nolan film and knowing the person that he's playing, who is awful, uh, is very exciting. Okay, so who's uh, Oppie? Who's Oppenheimer? Killian Murphy, finally, after all these Nolan movies, (laughs) is front and (laughs) centre. He's finally... (laughs) Enough of this supporting shit, Chris. I want to be right at the front. So he's going to play Oppenheimer. It must be
1: interesting if you're one of like Christopher Nolan's chosen people right like yeah. to see where you shuffle around right. I mean because he's kind of like he's he's got like this like football style squad yeah and then like every Thursday night at selection you've got to see whether you're playing like full forward or whether you're sitting on the bench yeah right?
0: yeah <laughs> either way you'll get a like a, a an important spot in the, in oh, the yeah. roster but you're uh, in
1: it but we're letting Killian take the lead on this one
0: you know what's worse Mm. what did guy pierce do wrong he was fucking phenomenal in memento come on mate mm. come on chris bring that guy guy pierce is awesome has he
1: never appeared in another christopher nolan movie since no.
0: memento no i'm blaming guy pierce <laughs> i mean
1: you'd have to suggest this is probably poor form on guy pierce's but behind- regardless of me knowing anything about this no Come on guy.
0: Yeah. What's going on? I love Guy like Pierce. This, this I'm guy blaming loves, him.
1: <laughs> this guy loves to keep using people in all these movies and yeah. you were in his like first iconic movie. What happened?
0: Yeah. You know what happened? He went back and watched episodes of neighbours and went, This guy played Mike. <laughs> He's no Scott. <laughs> Who, who's that who's that guy playing Scott? I should have gotten him.
1: <laughs> it would be great if it's like Oppenheimer, Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr. Jason Donovan.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Playing the bomb.
1: (laughs) Uh, So do we believe that this is just going to be... Like, do you know anything about this movie? Like, is it set in a particular time period? Is there going to be jumping around in time? Is there going to be some sort of Christopher Nolan-esque device that's going on in this movie, do you suspect? Or is this more... Like I mean, is it a period of time? Is it a week? Is it like the Cuban Missile Crisis, where the story's told over that period of time, or are we? Are, do we think there's going to be like young Oppie? We're going to get to meet young <laughs> oppie.
0: Uh So I've read the book that this is uh, the movie is based on, and uh, I have a feeling it'll be spread over maybe. World War Two uh, into the early 50s when, uh, when uh, certain members of the government decide that they're going to take Oppenheimer down because his theory was we have to develop the atomic bomb to make sure that we have a deterrence against Germany and then once they kind of get to it, and and the war's pretty much over. Mm. His theory is, all right, well, now let's open the channels of communication with Russia and share this technology. And, and, and if we are open about what we have, it will stop an arms race. And guess what the American government thinks of that idea? Ta-da! Not for you, Oppenheimer. So then they decide to take him down. And that's the true story. So I uh, it's a it's a thrilling read, and I'm guessing it might bounce back and forth in uh, Nolan style because it kind of does a little bit of that in the book as well.
1: Well, what I'm hearing is he's some sort of commie He wants to give bombs to the Russians. That's Don't be what like that. I,
0: I think he's uh, I think he There's believes a in peace. Story
1: about this fucking commie. Duh. This bloody commie, this rusky love commie, right. who wants to give the Ruskies an atomic bomb? How All would right. Putin be if he was riding around on the back of his horse with a bloody atomic bomb? Eh?
0: Guess what? He's already got one. He got oh, one yeah, anyway. That's a good point. <laughs> no, I did. Yeah. Good point. Didn't no, stop good anything. Argument. Excellent rebuttal. A <laughs> good point. Well, mate. <laughs> but uh, I'm also uh, excited about it because it's going to be shot in IMAX. It sounds like it's mm. a black and white movie, and there's a distinct black sub- and white. Yep. And there's a distinct possibility that, um, you know, a movie about uh, this subject in a world that really still doesn't like Marvel movies, but goes anyway, could be in trouble. And uh, Mm. I think that's a bit thrilling because... I mean, it's thrilling. Surely the whole
1: thing's not going to be black and white.
0: I hope so. Go for it. Go for it. There's no way
1: that that's going to be the case.
0: Why? What's wrong with black and white? No one's going to go and
1: see it. No one's gonna go and see your bloody Good. black and white movie. Good. In IMAX. I
0: only want to be there with the true believers. <laughs> your bloody commie loving.
1: Yeah, <laughs> black I'll be there. And white All dressed IMAX in red. Movie. I'll be the only one in colour. Glad they shot this in IMAX so I could really appreciate this black and white.
0: <laughs> God, you're feel such like a I'm... heathen. Sometimes, <laughs> fucking black and white movies. You're out anything with a like moment a of subtitles because white... you have to look at the scene screen or something.
1: Like you know, yeah, you can <laughs> like just do it all at once. <laughs> have your black and white scene, flash up some subtitles. They can be speaking in different languages in your black and white scene.
0: Oh, you anti-intellectual. What's wrong with you? You know, wear I'm, glasses. I'm just... Lean into it. <laughs> no, I'm just saying.
1: Like I, I don't mind black and white, but I'm. It's not fucking Schindler's List. Come on. Well, how do you like... know it isn't? Well, I don't know, and I haven't seen Schindler's List, so. <laughs> so I'm not even sure how much of that it is in black and white, but some, I believe, is the answer. Well, that's, why,
0: that's why you didn't quite under, uh, go for my comment about being in red, but that's all right. It's fine. It's, uh, it, look, it's a good movie. It's set in the World War II universe, which is also set in the Oppenheimer universe. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Escape universe. <laughs>
1: I Do you think that I would like Schindler's List? If I watched Schindler's List today, do you think that I would think it was a good movie?
0: I just don't think you would. I think it's a good movie, but just kind of, you know, knowing the movies that you like, I just don't think you'd have the patience for it. Halfway through, you'd be too busy thinking about all the jokes you could make about Ray Fiennes and trying to work out how you could uh, update them for a movie that came out... You know, 30 years ago, like you did with Titanic.
1: (laughs) So, hang on, Liam, uh, well, I mean, anniversaries happen. It's a 30-year anniversary of Schindler's List, guys, so I was watching it for the first time, and here are my unique and original observations about it. Why did that girl have a red jacket? Oh, one of them has a red jacket. Yeah,
0: that's the one bit of colour.
1: Okay, right. Is that the thing yeah, when, look, it's hard for us to even, like, mention his name anymore, but we went and saw Louis C.K. Yeah. before. It's not like we heard about him, like, you know, masturbating in front of people who were like, "Oh, he seems like a great guy. Let's go and see him do comedy. Well, I'm not going to sit in the front row. <laughs> no, exactly. No, we went and saw him, um, you know, when it was okay to go and see Louis C.K., and he had this incredible routine about uh, the audition tapes for... Yeah. This little girl at the end of Schindler's List who had to yell out goodbye Good- Jew or something. Yeah,
0: goodbye Jews. It's a little German girl being nasty. And it is, I have to say, it's one of the best stand-up shows I've seen and that was one of the best closes I've seen.
1: It was in, like stupidly funny. Really like, funny. H- like just, and I had not seen the movie. <laughs> like, so I'm <laughs> like, I don't even really understand what he's talking about and right. this routine is funny. Um, it almost convinced me to watch it. So, he is... He's <laughs> Almost. Liam, he's Liam Neeson Schindler?
0: Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. And uh, he, what he does is he gets in touch with every German and says, I yeah. know what you've done to the Jews yeah. and I'm coming for you.
1: And he's got a list and of he's all got a the list. Germans yeah. that he's going to kill. Yeah, it's a big list. To me, that i mean that's what the sequel should be because you know how sometimes there's like a quite a credible movie yeah and then the sequels get more and more ridiculous as they go on i mean rocky yeah. to a certain extent and then it got serious again but like you know how about we do schindler's list too yeah and it's more like your modern day like does schindler die, spoilers but does schindler die I, I know he'd be dead by now but does schindler <laughs> die in no no we sh- could
0: we could reinvent it like he uh he Teams up with the uh, Israelis and goes hunting the Germans in uh, South America who have gone h- into hiding.
1: Yeah, well, this is what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah. It's like Sh- like Schindler's List is now a literal list, John yep. Wick style, yep. of like people that, cause like we have all these movies and there's a new one every week where it's like Liam Neeson's like a mysterious dude with a special set of skills and he doesn't want to use those skills, but yep. someone's going to push him too far and he has to use those skills and they have to keep coming up with a, he's an ex secret uh, CIA agent. Yep. He was an undercover like, but they all just, we all just want to see Liam Neeson going around like getting revenge on people. Right.
0: Yep. And, and we can throw the audience for a loop because we can have Ray Fines back playing mm. the German officer who actually, uh, Commit suicide in the movie. Spoiler alert! Yeah. And uh, we can have him in the film, and then like the twist halfway through is he's just haunted by Ray Fine's character. So oh, yeah. that's that's the the voice that he's arguing with while he's taking down. So so now he Germans. has like
1: a a John Wick um, Arya Stark style list of like yep. enemies, people like. But this is more your sort of inglorious bastards sort of you yep. know take, whereas like it's fan fiction about history of, like, just yeah. Schindler going around, hunting down and murdering Nazis. I mean, this is a fun franchise. It's all we love about Liam Neeson, just with a bit of also, Little bit like, of, you know, correcting well, historical
0: wrongs. Yeah, alternate history. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Schindler's bigger list. Sh- Schindler's other list. <laughs> <laughs> Schindler's second list,
1: Schindler's yeah. third list. And, like, yeah. in every movie, Schindler's he just, listicle. Like, he has it yeah, he has just a different list. So he yep. goes through and hunts down people on his list.
0: And by the fourth uh by the fourth movie there is a when we've completely gone too mm. far, there's a moment when he's uh in an elevator and he turns around to the ghost of Ray Fiennes mm. and he goes, Hey, hey? And he points and it's Schindler's lifts. And now, he's very excited by that.
1: Is Schindler's lifts? An international franchise? Do you think? I know that I've talked about this before with somebody, but I don't. I actually don't know what the the answer is. So Schindler's lifts. I'm going to see because I want to know if how long they've been around for. Yeah, and
0: and also it's like uh, for people overseas, (laughs) it's for elevators. It doesn't mean the shoes that will make you as tall as Oscar Schindler.
1: Yeah. So the company is called Schindler. Dot com, right? Like, well, their website is Schindler.com. The company's called Schindler. And they make lifts, like elevators. Yeah. yeah. And I really think it's not a joke. Yeah. I think, I think it's like they are literally a company called Schindler. Yeah. Who make lifts who may have been around before the movie Schindler's List.
0: Right. Do you think people walk in <laughs> to buy lifts from them and they go, love the name, they go, thanks. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Let's... I guess.
1: Oh, actually, no, it says Schindler Elevator Company North America. Okay, now we've got to work this out. Okay. Oh, this is good. All right. Schindler, Schindler Holding Limited is a Swiss multinational company. They're Swiss the Schindlers, which manufactures escalators, moving walkways and elevators worldwide. It was founded in Switzerland in eighteen seventy four. So there you go. Well before the movie Schindler's List came out. So yeah. was Schindler's List based on they the list? <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, Thomas <laughs> Thomas Keneally's uh, Schindler's Ark. Yeah, you. Um, Hang
1: correct. on, Aussie o- Aussie Tommy Keneally. Yeah. Jesus Christ, you really have not watched this movie. <laughs> Did not take part in the Schindler's List like at all. Like the whole thing passed me by. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, this is fantastic.
1: I didn't know it was big Aussie Tommy K. I like him. He's cool. Like, so he wrote a book called Schindler's Ark. Okay, yes. so this is good because I was about to accuse the author of this of, like, being in a lift one day and, like ripping off the like just literally like the idea of an elevator pitch he's in an elevator <laughs> and he's yeah, like oh it's, it's, uh, it's a good book and it's about this guy uh, what's his name it's very like the end of um, The Usual Suspects where yeah. like he's now. Oh, I've got this great idea it's about this guy who helps Jews escape during the war yeah what's his name um uh, Schindler Schindler yep uh, definitely and yeah. what's the book called Schindler's uh, Lifts sorry lists. Lists.
0: Lifts. Lifts. he's got a list yeah. of Jews alright so I've I've looked up movies released yeah. in 1993 to help okay. you understand- what,
1: what else <laughs> I was at seeing at the movies
0: <laughs> yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a couple okay. of movies so while you weren't being uh, educated uh-huh. were you at the number one film of the year Jurassic Park
1: oh uh, yeah I would have seen Jurassic Park at the movies yeah yeah. But also based on a real-life historical event, so I think... Oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah.
0: Like, it's... Uh, <laughs> geez, they were tough times, weren't they? I was really worried for humanity. <laughs> exactly. Uh, tombstone. It's like, why do we keep building these parks? But of course,
1: now that I see what our response to COVID is, of course we keep building parks. Oh, yeah, suddenly a few few (laughs) thousand people dying of a dinosaur (laughs) wouldn't stop
0: us (laughs) building more
1: dinosaurs. Are you fucking kidding?
0: Yeah, no, suddenly one of the big flaws of the movie is
1: uh, thousands of people are are dying a day and we can put a mask on to stop most of it and none of us will do that. You reckon like a thousand dead tourists are going to stop us building
0: dinosaurs? No, we're still making money. We're still on the stock market. We're were floating uh what about tombstone were you a tombstone fan
1: yep saw tombstone loved it Yep, based on a historical event also oh, yes three for three
0: three for three uh dazed and confused
1: you definitely saw dazed and confused
0: yeah <laughs> good film yep uh the fugitive you uh, seen, oh yeah you would have seen the fugitive
1: one of, i mean i've seen the fugitive like probably a dozen times that fugitive is one of those movies that every time it's on on the tv i'll just be like i'm gonna watch the rest of this and it's never a bad idea it is a excellent in that sort of like that sort of what action thriller drama genre that's as good a movie as you get in that like it's just harrison ford's amazing but tommy lee jones is like that's that's your peak of your powers, like commercial crossover. Tommy Lee Jones, The Fugitive. It's fucking yeah. great.
0: Uh, how many years between seeing The Fugitive and realizing you would never want to meet him in real life was that uh, had to pass?
1: Oh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Oh no no no! He would have been too much for me immediately. Yeah right. I was very aware of that already. I'd be like, that that is a fun guy who I do not need to hang out with. Yeah, <laughs> like he does not need to have my direct contact. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if I'm at a party, he knew he's there. i will be like, oh fucking Tommy's here. This will be fucking fun. But he is not getting my direct contact either. no way.
0: Uh, no, I'm avoiding him as well. I reckon yeah. you would have seen this true romance. True
1: romance. Absolutely saw it at the cinema. Yeah. Definitely. I've seen all these movies apart from Jennifer's List so far. Yep. Uh, and I would have seen them all at the movies, is what I'm saying.
0: I'm, uh, I'm, I'm skipping to the ones that I feel like uh, okay. are definitely the ones you would have seen. Mrs. Doubtfire.
1: Definitely, yes.
0: Did you see Carlito's Way? with mm, Without no. Pacino. Br- Brian no. De Palma, Sean Penn? No. It's great. Did not. Don't that, think I've ever seen it. Uh, that's, that's a scorcher of a film. Robin Hood, men in tights. Definitely saw that at the movies, without <laughs> a doubt. But
1: again, based on a historical story, you've just got to you know know these like stories of Robin Hood yeah. and his men who also wear tights. All right, I know Carrie uh, Elwes, Elwell, Carrie Elwes, uh, Elwes, K- Carrie Elwes. That's name, doesn't yeah. it?
0: And uh, Richard Lewis, <laughs> the original John Stewart. Um, sleepless in Seattle. Definitely saw that
1: at the movies. The Firm. Yeah, I reckon I would have seen that at the movies. Falling Down. What year is this, by the way? 1993. Yeah, okay. So, so you're what, to 21? place this, I am, this is at peak, I am at university. Um, and my friend Vanessa Stoykov and I would at least three times a week go to the Tugranong Hyperdome to see a movie. Right. They had a Sizzler there, and so we would go to Sizzler, and then we would go into the movies. That was yeah. the movies where we watched the movie Demolition Man. Yeah. Uh, we went and had Sizzler, yeah. and then we went back in and we watched the next session of Demolition Man.
0: Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Of all the movies, to make sure that you saw twice in one day.
1: <laughs> I respect it. Um, so, this is, yeah, peak Tugranong hyperdome yeah. time is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. And uh, I reckon you would have definitely seen these three at the cinema as well. Groundhog Day. Yes. So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yes. And Indecent Proposal.
1: Yeah, I reckon I probably did see that at the movies. And so. I reckon you did not
0: see this one, The Piano. Uh,
1: I have seen The Piano... I don't know if I saw it at the movies at the time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you were doing whatever you could to not see Schindler's List.
1: Yeah. I really did see a a list of other movies. Yeah.
0: Many, many of which were good. Many of those
1: movies actually stand up.
0: Yeah. It's actually, uh, and Mm. you know what? 1993, twice in one day, Demolition Man. Mm. Do you know um,
1: how many movies I've seen this year?
0: I reckon... I reckon you have seen a big fat donut. Zero. Zero.
1: That is absolutely correct. And yeah. also, uh, do you uh, want to have a guess at how many movies I saw at the movies last year?
0: I reckon. Uh, look, to be honest, this is like this is like telling uh, Scott Morrison you don't go to church. Um, I reckon you <laughs> saw zero.
1: And in 2020, how many how many movies do you think I saw at the cinema?
0: I think I was pretty angry at you in 2020 because <laughs> you uh, <laughs> tried to tell me that watching Tenet at home was just as good as seeing it at the cinema. So maybe maybe zero, maybe I one. I, I think I saw one. I think
1: I might have gone to the movies in Adelaide, right? Like to see.
0: So that oh, pre pre COVID.
1: Yeah, the Clint Eastwood movie about... um, I can't remember if it was that year or it was the year before. That's literally... I think the last time I went to the movies was to see the Clint Eastwood movie about that security guard who um, uh, stopped the bombing.
0: Uh, Oh, Patriot Day, is it? Patriot? Um, He's the guy
1: who was also in the Tonya Harding, uh, Tonya, I, Tonya movie. He's actually a really good actor.
0: Stan Sebastian.
1: Richard Jewell. Oh, Richard Jewell, uh, he, right. he played. Yeah. Like, he played Richard Jewell, like, who was accused of, like, remember, he was the security guard who stopped the bombing, but then was accused of being the bomber. Yes, right. I can't remember what that movie is called, but I quite enjoyed it. I don't know if that was in 2020 or 2019, but that, <laughs> that I believe, was the last time I went to the cinema. It was uh,
0: mm. 2020. It was Richard Jewell, wasn't it? Mm. Or was it called Richard Jewell? Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay, there you go. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That movie about Richard Jewell, what was it called? (laughs) Starring
0: Richard Jewell. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Kathy Bates, John Hamm, Olivia Wilde, and Paul Walter Hauser. I mean, that's a good list. Yeah. (laughs) Clint's list. (laughs) (laughs) I'll go and see that. Not if it's in black and white, though.
1: I mean, I really enjoyed that film. I I don't know, because Clint Eastwood clearly is not... The sort of person that I would get along well with in real life, I can't imagine. Like, we seem to believe very different things about the world, and yeah. he seems quite well, stringent in his, like, you know, opinion around those things. And yeah. I, 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 I don't, but I'd li- I really like a lot of his movies.
0: And uh, if you talk to a chair, you prefer to have someone actually in it so (laughs) instead of doing some kind of weird improv
1: (laughs) i mean i guess that was the moment right talking to the chair i think up until that point there was still plausible deniability around like because everyone's allowed to have their own politics too right like i don't expect people to have the same politics as me to enjoy something that i have made and i don't think that you know i need to agree with clint eastwood's politics to enjoy the movies that he makes but I guess when he talked to that empty chair... There's, there's that, tipping that, points, that
0: was- <laughs> you know, and it's just hard to... <laughs> that, was,
1: that was hard to come back
0: from. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, you know, the, the, the Will Smith slap has, you know, like yeah. I was flicking around and I saw uh. that Independence Day was on and I immediately mm. thought, God, how much better would this movie be if when he ripped the top of the UFO uh, helmet off and looked down at the alien and said, get my wife's name out of your fucking mouth and then punched the alien. That's always going to be in my head now.
1: Always. Should I mean I think it's the only way that he can own it is he should go back and redouble it, edit yep. into every movie that he's ever made some yep. scene where it's like where it says you keep you know my wife's mouth out of your sorry you keep my <laughs> wife's mouth out, <laughs> out of, of your, your mouth men. that is yeah. actually yeah, that is actually fine yeah but also yep. keep her name out yeah because <laughs> then it, then it's just a callback yeah if he went back and just said i don't know what you're talking about yeah it's my catchphrase yeah i have said this in every movie that i have ever made if you just he should just try to gaslight everyone yeah he should have in these few months paid to go back and have that line just like just like slipped into episodes of like fresh prince of bel-air and stuff he's like i've been saying this for like 30 years
0: yeah like, it's not my fault that you didn't get the joke. Like, other people got the joke. That's why I got wow. the standing ovation after I went up and slapped nine cards for Sunday out of Chris Rock. Yeah. It was a callback. Yeah, everyone guys. got it. Jeez.
1: <laughs> didn't you get it? Far you're out. You're
0: dumb. Yeah, you guys are embarrassing. <laughs> you are really I can't dumb. believe you're l- admitting can- it out loud. Cancel you. <laughs> yeah. Get my name out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> What a Great way to deal with something, just go back and uh, just
1: <laughs> a giant gaslighting project. Isn't yeah. enough money, yeah, to gaslight us all because it doesn't have to be in every movie, like, he just has to go and slip it into a few that people. Like what's that brilliant movie that was based on a play? One of his earliest films where he plays that like um, Six Degrees of Separation. Six degrees of separation. Yeah. Great film. Fucking yeah. I would have seen that around that would have been around those ninety those early nineties, I imagine. Yep. Um and uh fucking great film. Jeez, yeah. that's a good film. Like but if he slipped in the line of dialogue there that was like you keep your Wife's name out of my fucking mouth. Like, there's that would actually
0: be like, oh yeah, okay, that's Sorry. appropriate. I'm going to keep, keep your wife's name out of my fucking mouth. and Then he hits himself. <laughs> this is great. I want to see um, it. In, I want to see I, it in Ali as well. I have I, not nailed this <laughs> saying once. <laughs> like no, I've, good. I've
1: not managed to say it correctly once.
0: I have a feeling you haven't seen it either. But it's uh, yeah. I want to see it in Ali. I'm going to float like a butterfly. I'm going to sting like someone who's going to slap you if you mm. don't take my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> it could easily
1: be in Ali. We'll. See, I'm going to see which movies that it could easily slot into. Uh,
0: without a doubt, um, what's the uh, Wild Wild West? Just drop it in. Oh. Drop yeah, it in. Absolutely,
1: the Wild Wild West. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's what he's got to do. He's definitely got to go. He's like one of my earlier raps. Yeah. That, like they just, they leak it, right? Yeah. He, get, he gets Jazzy Jeff around. Yeah. He's like, hey, Jazzy Jeff, I need to yeah. like deep deep fake an old track. Yeah. And like Jazzy, Jazzy Jeff, he knows how to do these things. He yeah. comes back and he's just like, yeah, no worries. Big, Big Willie style. Yeah. We'll just go back and drop it into a couple of old raps.
0: Yeah. Enemy of the state. You could have him saying it to Gene Hackman. That would be good. People would buy right. that.
1: Here we go. King Richard, oh easy. Easy. King Richard, that that works perfectly, right? Yeah. Bad boys for life. The Bad Boys franchise. I'm surprised it's not already in there, to yep. be honest. Uh Spies in Disguise. That's a kids movie. That's going to be tougher to We might skip that one. Yeah.
0: Get my get my wife's name out of my out of your mouth, please. Thank you. Get
1: your mum's name out of
0: your... <laughs> Yeah. Get 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 my wife who is a mum's name out of your mouth, please. Thank you.
1: Uh, Gemini Man. I don't know what that was. That was like a futuristic he fights himself thing, yeah. right? Well, yeah.
0: The bad version of him can say that. Or the good version of him can say that to the bad version of him. Yeah. Easy.
1: Yeah. Uh, what
0: about Aladdin? Do you reckon
1: <laughs> do you reckon he could squeeze it in, in Aladdin?
0: Yeah. Get my princess's name out of your mouth, the gin.
1: Um, What about oh, Suicide Squad? Easy. Yep. Absolutely Dumb. easy. Um, concussion That movie about concussion yep. Definitely could go in there Focus Which is the con man movie With Margot Robbie Yep Yep Could fit in there Yep uh, Oh Anchorman 2 The legend Perfect. continues Perfect When really he turns fun. up In that big yeah. scene Yep really funny yeah that's 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 like a no-brainer that's that's where you start right i reckon we
0: can get will ferrell back he'll he'll deep fake something yeah well you get yeah. my wife's name out of your fucking mouth and then you can have everyone say it because yes. hollywood sticks together so everyone that's will come back true. and reprise it it'll be they fine
1: will yeah that's where you start yep. to me i think we've found the place where you would start with it yep. like you he is this off cut from the Anchorman shoot because they we know they're like all big freestylers and whatever yeah. and they just leak it out they're just like this was always meant to be in the movie this is actually just yeah. a really funny callback to this scene from Anchorman
0: yeah and then uh, and then we can have Steve Carell drop your line in get get your wife's name out of my fucking mouth no, <laughs> and no then sorry punch himself in the face <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: These movies where it would work. The Men yep. in Black movies easily. Yep. Um, the Karate Kid, maybe not. Mm. Um,
0: After geez,
1: Earth. Jeez, he's fucking made a lot of movies. He's made way. a lot of movies. That what is- year do you think he made the most movies in? So uh-huh. one, two, three, four, five. Uh, what? Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. So according to this, there are three years. Where he has made the same amount of movies, which is the most amount of movies. Does that make sense? What yep. I'm saying. Yeah. Yep. So, what's the what, most he's made? Three. What's the most he's made in a year?
0: I, I'm guessing. I'm guessing three. Because so cause higher, higher, higher than three. So some of them must have been cameos. Then
1: I'd imagine so. Yes. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, let's let's try five.
1: Five. So yep. there's three years in which he's made five films. Jesus. I know, right? No wonder so he's so on
0: edge. Mate, take a holiday. <laughs>
1: 2019, he was in a, a movie called Student of the Year 2 as himself. So that's a right. cameo. Yep. And he was in a movie called Dads as himself. Yep. So cameo. And then made Aladdin, Gemini, Man and Spies in Disguise. Right. Um, one of which is animated as well. So like, okay. So that's like, you know, yes, he has made five movies, but... It's not really like making five movies. Okay. Yeah. Well, In 2008, he made Hancock, yep, the, the Human Contract, The Secret Life of Bees, Lakeview Terrace, and Seven Pounds.
0: Oh, right. Wow. So, that's actually seven pretty disparate roles there. Mm-hmm. And in
1: 2004, he did Jersey Girl mm-hmm. as himself, Cameo, iRobot, The Seat Filler, I don't know that. Saving Face and Shark tail, So that's a, a voice as well. right? So, so
0: it's it's really that, uh, that middle one that you read out mm. where it was all different characters and he'd have to invent people. Mate, you've made a lot of money. You and Robert Downey Jr. need to fucking relax and have a holiday. Then you won't be bitch-slapping fucking comedians over a gag that nobody understands the reference to and Robert Downey Jr. won't be talking to the animals. I mean, <laughs> why
1: why... <laughs> is Robert Downey Jr. doing Dr. Doolittle though? Like I don't... It's so strange. It must like, he must have had owed someone a favour, right? Or he must have been doing it like he had some particular passion for Dr. Doolittle when he was growing up or there has to be a bigger story. It can't just be that he thought it was going to be good because I have not seen it, but I've seen enough of it to know that do little was also the instructions they gave to
0: the screenwriter and the animators yeah, like doctor do very little
1: yeah, do, yeah, do nothing <laughs> doctor do nothing
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was such a bummer because I've always you know because he is actually a, a fantastic actor mm. and it's like you know you, you you've done the big blockbuster you've made all of the money all the money you've made all of your co-stars all all of the money to such an extent that this is why Marvel movies now look like they're made for $37.50 because they're trying to get the power back. But, uh, you know, so he produced uh, the TV series of Perry Mason, which was really good. And for a while there, uh, there were talks that he was going to play the lead character. And then I think they kind of got to a point where they were like, uh, you'd be watching it thinking, oh, this is Robert Downey Jr. But it's like, yeah. But then you go and make Dr. Doolittle, where everyone's going, oh, it's Robert Downey Jr. in a shit movie. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're always going to think that. Anyway, that's why I'm excited for Oppenheimer.
1: Do you think that they could remake, this is a fucking weird bit of casting, but I th- think that Robbie Downey Jr. would make a great Columbo, right? Oh, yeah. I think it's time for a modern take on Columbo. Yep. And I think Robert Downey Jr. could play like a like, because Columbo always knows, right? There, so there isn't a sort of like an arrogance yep. to that character underneath it all or a confidence or a like, you know, that real idea of like, you know, just one more thing, you know, like you always know that Columbo knows. Columbo's not letting him off the fuck on hook. Yeah, Columbo's got him, but at the same time, he's got to appear sort of dishevelled and, you know, like he doesn't really know what's going on. Like that's part of the appeal. And I think... Downey, I mean, Downey Jr. like lived the disheveled life. Like, I think that he could absolutely sort of play that character. And I like the idea of him playing someone that, like, I get at the moment the Tony Starkification of Robert Downey Jr., which is that, like, and yeah, he was Sherlock Holmes and he's like, he loves playing these people who are geniuses yeah but they're very obvious geniuses they're flashy geniuses you know like even I think Dr. Doolittle probably fits into this which is like enigmatic sort of genius with special gifts and abilities is something that obviously Robert Downey Jr. appeals to Robert Downey Jr. as an actor right but Columbo is that but in he's in like you know normcore Right. He's normcore genius. You know, he's undercover right. genius. I would like to see that. Is normcore a real term? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Right. I don't know if I'm using it correctly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's been around for a while. It's okay. been around long enough that I, um... Have picked up on it. Have picked up on it, which means it's got to be around for like five years probably. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> normcore is a unisex fashion trend characterized by unpretentious average looking clothing. So, you know, I was in the... Yep. I was in the, I was in the zone. Yep, that's definitely um, Columbo. Oh, here we go. Uh, the word first appeared, uh, in 2008... <laughs> <laughs> Old oh, man and, podcasting. And it, was, it was a trend forecast. Uh, it was it forecasted it as a trend in what people were saying uh, in 2014. Right. So, yes.
0: Okay, well, maybe I shouldn't be making fun of you with Schindler's List because I have never heard of that term before. <laughs> <laughs> I just called it normal, but um, I didn't realise it was normcore. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, you've made all the money. It's time to take a, a, a roll of the dice and, ma- and make that film that gets you the accolades and, uh, you know make $7 million at the cinema.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I believe he signed up to that. It's a black and white fucking film that's going to be, be great. IMAX, apparently.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fine. I'm going to keep it aloft all by myself. I won't be going to see fucking Demolition Man twice in a day. I'll be going to see this fucking movie twice in a day, three times in a day if I need to do it. I'm committed. <laughs> it was, uh, I had a uh, last, when, when uh, Tenet came out, I, I ended up in a, uh, a catch up with a whole lot of our friends in, uh, in Melbourne. And, you know, that was still in lockdown and it was a pretty stressful time. And uh, Sydney had just opened it up and uh, I went and saw Tenet at the George Street Cinema and then just had a little break and then went and saw it at the Hayden Orpheum. And uh, <laughs> I was sitting at the, this Zoom catch up with about 20 people and I was watching them and they were all, you know, off in their own wells talking about everything that was going on in the comedy scene and having little quips, etc. and... To be honest, I just really didn't give a shit about anything that anyone was talking about. And then someone finally said, what did you do today? And I said, I went and saw Tenet twice. And I watched all those faces look at me as if to say, we don't give a shit about what you're talking about. And I was like, you know what? I'm fine with it as well. I'm going to get going and I'm going to roll around on the ground happy. (laughs) I'm very comfortable when uh, friendships kind of, you know, just gradually fade out. It's, ah, yeah, they were all good times and we're quite clearly into different things. You want to bitch about a comedian I've never heard about and I want to talk about the intricacies of why this movie's fantastic.
1: Uh, Well, speaking of
0: Nolans. The Nolan sisters? Yeah, the Nolans. (laughs) Christopher Nolan's going to do a bio of the Nolan sisters. Um, (laughs) And other references from 1978.
1: (laughs) Are you up to date? On the latest season of Westworld.
0: Yes. Mm. I've actually watched it. Yes. I have too. Oh, right.
1: Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good. I mean, fair point. Fair qualification. (laughs) (laughs) I can be up to date and not having watched it. You're right. And I haven't necessarily watched it entirely every scene, but I've watched... (laughs) But you've
0: watched the YouTube clips and you know when to look up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i have to laugh at that because that does my head in so much but i also love like if anyone else i'd be like you know chewing my the insides of my cheek but knowing that it's you doing it i find it incredibly entertaining
1: anyway so what do you think
0: because <laughs> from my
1: yeah peripheral viewing of the show <laughs> combined yeah. with the youtubes that i've watched yeah I'm enjoying
0: it. (laughs) I'm having a really good time. I'm like, I'm on a roll with TV at the moment. Mm. So uh, I always like a TV show that takes a a swing. And I think the swing that Westworld took last season didn't quite connect, but they had enough money in the bank with me that I was happy to come back and check out this season and see where it was at. And uh, it's been great. It's been really good. I think they've really gotten the balance right of, um, of, Mystery and character development, it's kind of gotten a little bit back to some of the the core principles that we enjoyed yeah. in the first couple of seasons. Knowing that uh, Jonathan Nolan likes a circular storytelling motion, this season feels like it reflects the second season quite a bit. And I have a feeling that when we get to the last season, season five, it will probably reflect season one in a way. So that's kind of my prediction there. But um, yeah, no, it's been it's been fantastic and I've had a really good time with it.
1: It's a real return to form, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Like, I'm, I've am i been enjoying it much more than I expected to enjoy it. Because I was like you in season three. In fact, I'm not even sure that I watched the last couple episodes of season three until recently. Because when I was going to watch season four, I was like, I don't really remember that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I might have watched it. I was probably watching it in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> making I had, a sandwich. I, and I hadn't clocked that I could watch some YouTube clips to yeah. explain to me what was going on. Yeah,
0: there's been real progression.
1: YouTube clips really would have got me through last season. Yes. Because, like, I really could have just gone, uh, just you watch it and you tell me what I need to know. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can work it out. But they've made some good decisions with Mm -hmm. their reveals, which uh, also is – so I've been watching the final episodes of Better Call Saul as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a similarity in that – What they've done is when a story or a a mystery can be solved, they're they're just solving it. Like they're not stretching it out, which is what they did in the previous season. Like it's like with Westworld, it's like, who's this girl that uh, Bernard's hanging out with? We have an inkling of it. Oh, you've told us. Great. All right. Now we can just move on. And uh, Better Call Saul's been doing that. Things that you thought would be dragged all the way to the end just happen. And you go, oh, great. Now we can move on.
1: Yeah, it doesn't always just happen. Like, I mean, this is one of the things, I guess, when people criticise that, like, the final episode of Lost in particular, is that, like, regardless of whether you liked or didn't like that final episode of Lost, um, and, like, you you liked it, and I yeah. I have come to like it more than I liked it originally, I think, probably, is the truth. But, but I liked the final season, yeah. like, a lot. Yeah. And right through that final season, many of the things that I needed resolved from that series were resolved in the final season. Like they didn't save all the mysteries for the final episode and then just like this pays off and this pays off and this pays off and this pays off. Like that wasn't actually what they did. Yeah. And so regardless of like the fact that I was like, there was a couple of things about the final episode that I didn't love. Like I really liked the final season because it it, like, yeah, like clear it up when it needs to be cleared up. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, if you don't need to string it out, like I mean, Lost strung it out a lot more. Like you know, there's been a development in that sort of storytelling since Lost. You know yeah. I think partly based on that. But I agree with you. Like, not everything has to be a mystery. If it, and like, if it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I wonder if that sos daughter grown up or whatever, and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, it is. It is. I got to, I got to feel smart for like you know, two minutes. Yeah, that's and fine. And then they just told me what the answer was. And that's fine because there's heaps of other things that I don't know.
0: Yeah, we got to go and get this weapon. Oh, I wonder what the weapon is. We know what yeah. the weapon is. Great, right. let's keep the story rolling you know it's yeah. uh, it's an important part of storytelling uh yeah i think the uh, two things one is i think lost just became shorthand for people to shit on it without even really knowing what they were talking about uh and secondly people kind of forget that back in the day when you made a tv show if the creators decided they didn't want to be involved anymore the studio could just keep going and that's mm-hmm. you know people forget aaron sorkin was out of uh the West Wing by season four. And that was just completely different people writing it after, mm-hmm. after that, you know. So uh, to actually, you know, they, they brought around uh, an important part of our TV viewing uh, entertainment, which is they got to finish the show and they had to really negotiate to let that happen because they could have easily been fired and it could still be going. <laughs> it could be yeah. like Grey's Anatomy, you know. Still lost. It's still lost.
1: <laughs> lost her. Great. I mean, that Grey's Anatomy is, that to me is one of those shows where like I am constantly surprised to find out it's still on
0: <laughs> yeah i only found out a few weeks ago adam richard mentioned it to me and i was like what
1: yeah that's still it just, happening it just feels like a show that ended 10 years ago yeah and it just kept going and people still really like it still like, really it, like it. the fans of it really really like it it's yeah. one of those shows i think um uh speaking of uh entertainmenty things i, I want to talk to you just before we finish about so um uh, firstly uh I'm just going to do a little plug for my Sydney shows this week. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, uh, the last chance for Sydney to see We're Logical um, at the Sydney Comedy Store. Uh, so Friday night is already sold out. By the time you hear this, Thursday night probably is going to be sold out as well. So Wednesday night, 6.30 is probably going to be uh, the only time you can come and see We're Logical. Jeez, um, it's nice to be back at the store. I haven't been there for two and a half years. I did yeah, two shows great. last week. Right. Wednesday was fun but I hadn't done the show for a couple of months so you know what it's like you're just trying to find your feet a bit again Friday was fuck it was so much like It was just so much fun. It was such a fun show, great audience. Like just that room is just when it's rocking is just so much fun. So, um, yeah, three chances to see it. And then the final time that I'll ever be doing Will Logical is Sunday, August the 7th at the Athenaeum Theatre in Melbourne. It is about half sold out at the moment, but I would love to sell the whole thing out because it's the final time that I'm ever going to get to do the show. And we have just added a special guest to do support for that show, uh, as an extra bonus, and his name is Justin Hamilton because he is making a triumphant return to the world of stand-up comedy. Guess a- who's back? Hamo's back, baby!
0: It's, I'm furious. He thought he was out, but <laughs> we've dragged him back in again. <laughs> I'm so angry. He's back. Like, I've, I've never been angrier, to be honest. It's, it's, yeah. it's printer angry. That's the kind yeah. of angry it is. You know, I do blame the Sydney Comedy Store because when uh, COVID wiped out, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lineup in February and they needed, you know, some people to fill in mm-hmm. at the last second and I don't live too far. So I, I went down and uh, did the gigs and, uh, yeah, had a really good time and mm. suddenly realised I had <laughs> some things to say. And anyway, <laughs> damn it damn it and now you know doing solo shows and yes so that's what i wanted to get to so
1: you are actually doing (laughs) not only are you just coming to do support for me and doing some support for tom and these sort of things yeah no 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 you're bloody back, baby. You're oh, doing yeah. a bloody solo show uh, yeah. at the moment in Sydney and Melbourne, right? Is that yeah. correct?
0: Yeah. So um, d-
1: Sydney Comedy Store and Comedy Republic in Melbourne.
0: Yep. Sydney Comedy Store on the 28th of October, the uh, Comedy Republic on the 26th of November, first solo shows uh, since uh, 1937. It's, uh, <laughs> since, <laughs> since, since the pandemic uh, yeah. kicked off. So... Uh, yeah, it's funny. It, it just because I went and did a, uh, a a gig in Adelaide at the Rhino Room, and mm-hmm. uh, at the end of it, got off stage and realised I had a seventy-minute show. Right. And uh, <laughs> I thought I thought I'd gone for like thirty-five, forty minutes, and uh, thought, well, maybe I should do something with this. So I'm looking forward to the Athenaeum gig because that's actually going to be my first gig in Melbourne since 2019. So is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like it is crazy like to be honest uh, the reason I jumped at the opportunity to or one of the reasons I jumped at the opportunity to do it is when you don't perform somewhere for a while you have a low level anxiety <laughs> about going back and it's uh, there's a part of me that's like after living in Melbourne for 13 years and touring there for, you know in the 90s and early 2000s before I moved there there's that awful feeling that you walk out and everyone's like huh <laughs> who's this guy where I don't remember him, so uh, it's good to well, kind of. Well, hopefully,
1: anyone who's listening to this podcast will know, and please come along. Yeah, like I said, the final ever time I'm doing were well, logical. Um, Hamo's going to be doing support for me. It is a Sunday night. Um, can I tell you this? And again, this is not me talking shit or anything. Like it, this is fine. This is just said in the spirit of it, this being funny, but um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Caveats. so um, it's on a Sunday night, which. I got to be honest with you it was a surprise to me because when I originally talked to my uh, management they were like you know we got this weekend we want to like do you know, three big shows like it's the last I I'd, I'd had touring planned for the rest of the year but obviously with covid back and you know traveling and stuff with my other tv commitments and a few other things it's just impossible so I just had to like I wanted to do the show one more time in like a you know in a big way so there was this weekend where also Tommy Little and um, uh, Husey were going to, you know, do shows at The Ass. Oh, yeah. And so, like, you know, my management were like, you know, Friday or Saturday night or, like, it'd be a big weekend. I'm like, yep, great. Sounds That actually sounds like a real fun way to do it. One more big show in Melbourne. Like, brilliant. At The Ass. I haven't played The Ass for years, but it's the first time I was ever on a big stage when I was 15 at High School Theatre Sports when we came to the State It's always fun to be at The Ass. Like, it's a cool cool venue. And then the dates went on sale and it was Sunday night. And I was like, hang on, what? <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did Sunday night happen? That's a tough night to fill up a theatre, like on a Sunday night. So I will say, please tell your friends, come along. If you haven't seen the show before or if you just want to see it again, uh, Sunday, August the 7th. at the name.
0: if you want to see how long my hair's gone <laughs> since I was last in Melbourne. That's a good I mean, it will be a fun
1: night. Yeah. I guarantee you. It's the final time that I'm, you know, doing the show. I um, really want it to be like an absolutely cracking, you know, send off to it. So, um, if you've been thinking about it, please come and come and see it.
0: We're doing a uh, a live uh, podcast in Adelaide on the on September sixteenth as well, uh, which is uh, the Big Squid Podcast, and uh, the guests are going to be talking about uh, things, uh, art or entertainment that help. Define who they are as performers, and uh, I thought I'd let you know. Tom Gleeson, I'll give you a hint as to Mm. what's going on with that. Tom's going to talk about how his love of the Paul Hogan show helped develop uh, the Australian fast bowler, and I'm like, oh yeah, well well, that
1: would that would not surprise me. Yeah, it it actually the Australian fast bowler because Tom occasionally posts old clips of the Australian fast bowler. (laughs) Yeah, and it is like he is posting clips of the Paul Hogan show. Yeah. (laughs) Like if somebody, if you, if you just kind of desaturated the way that it's shot and it's actually not even shot that differently because that, that was the way they were shooting skid house as well was like, you know, very low-fi just like, you know, getting it done on like a limited budget. And so, I reckon if you desaturated the film a little bit and said this is an old clip from the Paul Hogan show, people were like, "Yeah, this is fucking funny."
0: Yeah, right, like yeah, it's so good. People forget that uh, before he was uh, ruining entertainment by winning the gold logie, he was uh, a TV Week pinup as the Australian fast bowler. Do you remember that?
1: No. <laughs>
0: yeah, you've got to try and find it online. It's him as the Australian fast bowler, looking very sultry in a in a in the, you know, middle uh, pin-up that you used to be able to rip out and stick up on your walls. And it's very really? funny. Yeah. Like – And he looks great. <laughs> <laughs> Have you found
1: it? Um, <laughs> is it the one where he's, like, leaning towards the camera? Yeah. And he's got, like – yeah, it's very sultry.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you've ever wondered what Tom Gleason looks as a, as a sultry uh, 70s cricketer, you can find it online. You know, he uh, he had a. Uh, at one point, he was thinking how good it would be to do a show as the Australian fast bowler for all of the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And I was so into the idea, I said, I'll be the Australian wicket keeper and I'll just be drunk for every game, uh, every show, and I'll just be asleep on the floor. And he said, Yeah, we'll just like, we'll, we'll be the characters for the whole festival. We won't break characters. And we were so up for it. And then uh, his wonderful wife, Ellie, said that she would leave him if he did that. So anyway, that's a good story. And that's where the idea went. And it's, you know what, Ellie is correct too.
1: (laughs) I'm not sure that she is. Like, I mean, I think that he could like, you could leave the whites like at the town hall or wherever the show was, right? right? Like So as soon as you get in there and you put on your uniforms... Right, Then you're those characters But you don't have to like When you're at home Like live as the Australian wicketkeeper
0: No that's, that was going to be the whole thing I was going to be drunk for the whole festival Like officially
1: But you can still get drunk very quickly Like I mean You know Like I don't think the Australian wicketkeepers Were drunk at home They would wait till they got to the cricket
0: To get drunk with their mates I would have been flying over from London every day That's why <laughs> <laughs> Ah uh, yeah, but far out doing uh doing stand up again. Yeah. It is a very funny turn of events.
1: Is the show like a show show? Like yeah. is there Yeah. It's got like a theme and uh is there like
0: is it all stand-up? It's all stand-up, yeah. yeah. So anyone who's been traumatised by coming to see me mm. live before and suddenly I'm doing some avant-garde <laughs> your, artistic One of your bloody bullshit. art projects. Yeah, one of my IMAX black and white with a splash of colour shows. <laughs> the bloody
1: hours going on. I have to bloody read subtitles. Yeah, I, try to the... work. I don't want to think. I just want to laugh. He hasn't
0: talked for fucking seven minutes. Like, what is happening? This is voiceover. On?
1: Is he just playing music? Are we meant to be thinking yeah. about the music? What's going on? Why is he staring at the wall? Is this? <laughs> this is art this is art I guess this is, this art. is what
0: art is <laughs> yeah and that's why there's not as many people here as you would expect after all these years <laughs> I'm just here on Schindler's comp list You yeah. put me on the door <laughs> Schindler's comp list (laughs) that is uh, that is a tragedy of a movie (laughs) Schindler's door list (laughs) Schindler's door list Schindler's always trying to put on a show and as he's about to start it's people like hey Stephen's here he says he's on the door and uh, oh fuck All right.
1: Schindler said he put me on his list
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness Uh, I'll make it that'll be my next thing
1: Uh, All right. Well, uh, Justin Hamilton, you do have a podcast. It is called uh, Big Squid. Mm. Um, What's been going on in your world there recently?
0: Uh, So we are getting close to the end of our deep dive director series on David Lynch. So we just had Mulholland Drive Up, which was Mm -hmm. a fun two-parter. We have a segment uh, by my mate, author Garth Jones. It's all uh, about ausploitation movies called Pass the Amel. And Mm -hmm. we just watched Howling 3, The Marsupials. (laughs) (laughs) Which is uh, exactly what you would expect. And uh, coming up uh, this week, we have a two-parter for Space Odyssey, which is Into the Spider-Verse. And then I'm talking to romance author uh, Sarah Bennett about what goes into uh, writing a romantic book.
1: Oh, interesting. So who's who's Sarah Bennett?
0: Sarah Bennett is, funnily enough, a a UK author who started listening to the podcast when she was trying to get her head around the TV series Watchmen because that's how Big Squid started off and then she just kept uh, stuck around to see what the podcast would develop into and then she just started writing and it was fun and then I found out she was an author and I wanted to talk to her about uh, what goes into writing a romance novel and she Mm. was a bit, uh, I don't know if people want to hear that And then I had Alice Fraser on talking about her love of romance novels and when she, I think she understood that, uh, you know, like I am genuinely interested. I'm not, you know, setting her up for, you know, to kind of take pot shots or anything. Uh, She was up for it and it's a really good chat. So um, it it is literally a long time listener, first time podcaster for Big Squid. (laughs)
1: Um, speaking of novels, I haven't read a novel in a very long time. And then uh, at the airport the other day, I picked up James O'Loughlin, comedian James O'Loughlin's, uh new novel, which is called Criminals, which is just set around like a, a small crime and uh, you know th- it's told from a couple of different, a few well, a few different perspectives from yep. people involved in the story. It's quite a small story about. Ordinary people, but that sort of intertwines in a really delightful and entertaining way. It's it's very readable. Yeah, like I, it was one of those books that I really just over two sittings, like knocked over the whole thing, but really enjoyed it. So I would recommend if people are looking for something, James O'Loughlin's new book, Criminals, is Uh, that's um, great.
0: I I only ever met James a few times, but I was a big fan of his. I really liked him. He's a a very gentle man. So
1: very nice man. Yeah, Um, and yeah, like. Uh, I think you'd actually really enjoy the book. It's yeah. nicely weaved together. Like, you know, the story unfolds in a very unexpected, but like it doesn't overreach. Right. But that's what's like. James was a, um, he was a, a, an attorney, like a, a I, don't, I don't know what we call them in Australia, but he was a, basically a pro bono lawyer for, yeah. you know, people. You know. So he has experience in that world and understands the, Limitations of the justice system, but it's very much just a book about things not being black and white, you know, right. and everybody having their own stories and their own things that they bring to the table. It's it's yeah, it's cool. I, uh, I recommend it. Oh, that's Ramona right. also recommends it.
0: Yep, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> she gives it two wolves.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, there we go. Three, three wolves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Justin. Thank you so much for doing the show. I super appreciate it. Thank you.